Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. Welcome to the show. This is Levi Russell, and uh, tonight I want to talk about international trade and international trade policy. I covered this a little bit recently, but I think there's value in spending a little more time on this one specific issue. And before I do that, um, we have a donation link on our Anchor site at this point. So if you go to Anchor, anchor.fm slash traddads, you can uh, donate to the show to keep us going. Uh, so we really appreciate that. Um, in terms of policies that get people really riled up, especially recently, I think trade is one of the one of those policies that is so highly contentious that it it really uh, it is confusing. And the reason it's confusing is because um, you kind of have a political mix that doesn't make a lot of sense with uh, the, the, the party structure. So, for instance, you have uh, Bernie Sanders, who until very recently was um, uh, certainly protectionist. And you have uh, a lot of people sort of uh, on the left wing flip-flopping their positions on trade basically just because of what Trump uh, has has done and so looking back over the last few years we've had number one Trump refused to sign the Trans-Pacific Partnership and that deal was uh, basically uh, a free trade agreement between a whole bunch of Pacific Rim countries including the U.S. That would have uh, lowered tariff barriers, lowered quotas, and stuff like that, and consequently opened up a lot of markets. But it also had uh, a lot of, let's say, sovereignty-reducing types of regulatory issues and environmental regulations, uh, even criminal, criminal, patent, copyright regulations. Um, a whole host of things that would have um, affected different people's way of life. And I think I've mentioned this before, but one example, because I was in this sort of agricultural space back um, in my previous job, you know, that a lot of farmers would talk about, well, you know, gosh, it would have been nice if we'd had that Trans-Pacific Partnership because, you know, we could have sold a lot more beef to Korea or, you know, whatever. And I said, yeah, you know, that's that's true. But did you know that the Trans-Pacific Partnership would have made the Millennium Copyright Act a criminal uh, law? Which means that if you do things to mess with your tractor, the electronics in your tractor, certain things, um, instead of just being slapped with a civil suit, which is bad enough, uh, you know, John Deere could have basically had you put in jail. Um, and so I think this is, in, in a nutshell, a really good example of the types of things that we have to consider when we're talking about trade. Um, that, first of all, and I think most simply, 
there there is a trade-off between financial or maybe what people would call economic benefits uh you know larger markets broader trade um you know maybe that helps our exporting industries and maybe it helps industries that import things from other countries but uh the other side of that is that it reduces u.s sovereignty it can have a negative impact on things that are difficult to measure from a financial standpoint. So it might be easy to figure out, you know, what the GDP implications are of any change to U.S. trade policy. But it's certainly not easy to value the sovereignty issues. What does it mean uh, for... Uh, you know, a, a group of countries or another country to have a lot of influence over the domestic policy of the United States. Does that even enter your mind when you're thinking about these trade policies? I'll give you another example. Most of my examples are in agriculture, but that's just the way it is. Um, so at one point in the past few years, there was a uh, a trade dispute from Brazil that basically argued that the United States was breaking one of its trade treaties um, was was uh, in violation of the World Trade Organization's uh, regulatory policies because the U.S. government was subsidizing cotton and it was um, harming other countries with small cotton exports. Um, not that Brazil is a small country, but, you know. So what happened was that basically the U.S. federal government completely changed its support policies for cotton and reduced the support that we have for cotton. So putting aside whether you think, you know, cotton policy should be... Um, you know, we, we should be subsidizing crops or subsidizing cotton or whatever. And we have an episode about that as well. Go back and look. There's a there's an episode called Should We Support Agriculture? So check that out on our YouTube channel or on uh, anchor.fm slash traddads. And the, 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 the thing about this is, is put aside whether you think cotton should be supported. The question is, should Brazil get to decide, should the World Trade Organization get to decide what our policy is going to be with respect to subsidizing our farmers? How do you evaluate that against the financial costs or benefits of more open trade markets and... and open trade policy I don't know but I know it can't be done with uh, just simple arguments about well you know we should just have free trade and it's like well you know real life free trade agreements do not uh, or do not consist of merely uh, an agreement to reduce tariffs so uh, the world we live in tells us that you know, freer trade is going to come with potential reductions in sovereignty. Uh, 
a, a reduced ability to support industries that we want to support, reduced ability to determine our own environmental uh, regulations, our own labor regulations, um, and thinking about those other countries. It, it gives the U.S. Uh, government a lot more power over other countries as well to dictate to them how their environmental policies should work or how their labor policies should work and any other policies. So, you know, if you don't like the concept of other countries dictating, you know, U.S. federal government policy, why would you like the U.S. government dictating other countries' policy? It's certainly not in line with subsidiarity. And so I think that's a really good line of uh, argumentation to, to make, is, is that we need to think about these non-financial factors. But even in the realm of these financial factors, and I'm going to recommend a book here. The book is called Economics for Helen by Hilary Belloc. Uh, definitely read his book. Uh, it's, it's quite old. I was just uh, lucky enough to find a first edition of it, and so I picked that up. But you can get it uh, for a very reasonable price from IHS Press, and I'll put a link to their uh to the page for you to get that. And it's a great short little book, and Belloc has two chapters where he covers uh, information and arguments, uh, economic and political arguments about international trade. And what what I think is good is that he, he focuses on the financial stuff. He focuses on the economics. And specifically, he talks about the fact that If a country has underutilized resources, then it can actually make the whole country wealthier to restrict trade. And uh, so it, he gives a great example, and it's, it's hard to talk through it without his graph. But basically the main idea is that if you have resources in a country that are not being used because they're being outcompeted by another country, then it actually might make sense for everyone in your country to cut off the ability or, you know, use tariffs or something to disincentivize trade from that other country so that you can utilize the resources in your country. And I would argue that, you know, this, this can be said for, natural resources. It can be said for uh, different types of capital investments, but it can also be said for labor, for the people who need to work, the people who need jobs in your country. So I think that all of that um, is, is important to think about in terms of economic stuff, but I think we can go one step farther. And it's, it's important to think about all of the people in your country. And so what, what do we normally get when we're thinking through uh, these issues with uh, more of a free market type take on trade? We're basically treated to a set of arguments that says that, well, if we open up trade for everybody, then, you know, yeah, some people in your country are going to lose their businesses. Some people aren't going to have uh, jobs, at least for a while or whatever. 
but uh, the nation as a whole is going to be made better off. And I think that's just a really odd sleight of hand because if some people are losing out, then by definition, the whole country is not helped. Well, sure, maybe on average, you know, pick, pick your metric, maybe income or something. On average, you know, income for everyone in the country went up. But what probably happened was it went up for some people and went down for others. And so if we're concerned about those other people, then um, those people who lost from that trade, um, I think it's important to have another look at the policies that are in place and see if there's, um, if this isn't an important trade-off, if this isn't, if there isn't some other way to accomplish whatever goal you're trying to accomplish by lowering those trade barriers. Um, and I, I don't think this gets into picking winners and losers. I think that's, again, another very common trope that we get from people who are just, uh, I think, blindly in favor of free trade is that, well, the, the only way, the only other option besides just letting everyone trade with everyone is um, for the government to go around, you know, picking winners and losers. And, and you get this idea that, you know, it's some bureaucratic regulator with a, with a clipboard, you know, recording everyone's profitability and trying to make sure that nobody has an advantage over anyone else. But I don't think that's really the way it works in real life. I think in real life, the way these trade barriers look, uh, or subsidies, I mean, pick, pick whatever you want to pick, uh, just general, uh, you know, government policy with, re with respect to different industries and, uh, with respect to employment is it, it's not picking winners and losers. It's just ensuring that the gains from any trade policy actually get moved to the people who are losing. So in the economics world, the standard uh, discussion of trade policy says that, well, if we open up uh, trade, open up markets, then in theory, the people who benefit could compensate the people who lose. And so because in theory, they could compensate them, then uh, that justifies opening up trade. But that's, uh, that's not the issue. That doesn't solve the problem. The problem is that some people did lose and that those people are um, important to your community and your country and that they should be, um, they should not have the rug pulled out from under them just so everybody can have, um, you know, less expensive stuff. I think uh, Tucker Carlson does a great job talking about this, and he's always talking about, oh, yeah, well, you know, these, all these families in, you know, Appalachia or the Midwest or whatever are, you know, losing their breadwinner jobs so that you can have, you know, cheaper crap from China. And I don't think that's a really bad way of looking at it. I think that's probably accurate. There really is no um, comparison there. 
just because the stuff we get from those other countries is cheaper and thanks to trade we all sort of get in in real terms we get a, a boost in our income the people who lose out on that it's catastrophic for them so it doesn't even really compare on scale it um, you know we all get these sort of incremental increases in our uh, purchasing power but the people who lose they don't just lose a little uh, it's devastating in a lot of cases you know somebody loses their job and can't provide for their family and they have to go on the dole um, and that has an emotional takes an emotional toll on people and it it, um, it, it drives a wedge between people uh, in their community it makes uh, life harder for those people in a serious way and so um, again this is not about picking winners and losers it's about recognizing that these policies do have concrete negative effects on some people and that we might be better served as a country and as uh, you know all these little communities we might be better served um, with a better understanding of what we're actually trading off when it comes to these policies I don't think there's an easy answer to this and I think it's inherently political and I think Belloc does a good job of explaining that as well um, in his book that trade is, is, is not ever really an economic issue there, there are economic components to it but, but trade is, is pretty much inherently a political issue and so um, next time you're in a conversation with somebody or next time you're thinking through you know you read something about trade policy keep in mind that there are non-financial non-economic factors that are incredibly important sovereignty not just for our country not just for the US but for other countries too they deserve to have their own sovereignty just like we do and arguing for a policy that diminishes that sovereignty uh, is is not good again I can't quantify it but just because you can quantify something doesn't mean it's important and just because something can't be quantified doesn't mean it's it's um, irrelevant and also think through the those other uh, explicitly financial aspects of it that do affect other people differently keep in mind that um, what might uh, benefit you or me uh, you know in terms of cheaper goods um, incrementally over time might be somebody else's catastrophe and uh, you know serious uh, interruption in uh, you know what what should be a rather uh, normal beautiful life for them so this is a rather short episode but um, I, I think trades an important issue and those are just uh, kind of some thoughts I had on it uh, if you have suggestions for episodes uh, don't forget uh, don't uh, don't hesitate to uh, leave comments on our YouTube videos I read those um, and uh, or uh, you know uh, hit us up on Twitter at Trad Dads. Um, I'm usually managing that uh, pretty closely too. So, 
thanks for listening and uh, look forward to uh, putting out another episode next week with Levi B. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.